Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Because we liked her so much and appreciated her message and her friendship so much, we've decided to have Robin Lyons back on the podcast. This is her second appearance. I highly recommend that you double back to episode 61. The episode link is included in the show notes. She's awesome. More of her bio can be found there, but here's the short version. She's got a master's degree in sports conditioning. She's a CSCS. She is a five-time NCAA track and field All-American, and she holds a Canadian record in the hammer throw. She is an amazing athlete, an amazing coach. She's the founding director of coaching at Mountain Lab in Driggs, Idaho. And plain and simply, I just like her. I think there's a lot to learn from Robin Lyons. So tune in, take notes, and enjoy. And as always, please share the podcast, subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. We want to hear from you. I I was actually sitting outside before this call. Yeah, I was trying to simulate something like that. Colder, wake up. Yes. And, and what inspires you there? Are you, are you like a Wim Hof person or, or are you just, or is this sort of a, uh, just an Instagram meme type education? I'm, I mean, I do Wim Hof. Um, I do multiple, uh, you know, breath practices actually. Um, I've been into this one recently I've done, um, in the last week it's called a, it's a primal breath practice. It's from the Amazonian tribes and, uh, I learned it in Peru and it works with the seven energy centers. So you kind of work yourself up um, in different breath rates as you move up into um, those different centers. So I've been doing that. It's a, it's, it's pretty meditative. Like you get into it and you're just like, next thing you know, you can just feel yourself moving through these different energies. Um, But it's been a pretty cool practice. I've been doing that actually since I've been in quarantine since we're in isolation lockdown. Um, and that's been great to do about one o'clock in the afternoon, just kind of breaks up the day. Um, and then I usually do Wim Hof. If I do Wim Hof, it's usually in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, it stimulates me more typically. Um, and what's could, the difference between those for, for the uninitiated in, in disciplined breathing practices, what would you say the difference is? Um, I mean, all breath practices, I think all have an underlying purpose, which is connection back to the body right? And being present. So I think, um, both of them do that type of, um, that type of, um, contribution to that. But, um, I think the whim is just, is a lot simpler. It's, uh, it's a sitting, you know, you can sit and do whim as well. Um, the, the, the primal is, um, is a standing practice. So you're standing the whole time throughout it. And, um, yeah, the biggest difference would just be your you're escalating your breath rate in the, in the Amazonian breath practice. And in this one, the Wim Hof is just a constant circle of breath, right? Where you're constantly mm-hmm. um, connecting the ends of, of the inhale and the exhale, you know, for, you know, three cycles with breath holding. Right. Um, and there's no breath hold, holding in the Amazonian. So what does this so, Amazonian breathing practice look like? We didn't cue this up at all. I'm just really intrigued. Oh man. Yeah, that's what we should have done this morning is the practice. I'm going to let you through it. <laughs> so, I would do it. Yeah, man, it's it's really it's cool. I would I would definitely take you through it. It's um you start you start with the first energy center, which is earth. So you start with a rooted breath practice. So a lot of it's like and it's all done through nose breath in, so inhale through the nose and then exhale out through the mouth. And the only time that I actually um, breathe through my nose only is 
through the level of what we call space. So it goes from earth, um, let's see if I can remember this, this will be good. It goes earth, water, fire, air, ether, space, and affinity. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you breathe through each one of those and how long you last in each one is relative to, I think, just how you're feeling inspired to move to the next system. I've done a practice where this has almost taken me up to an hour and I've been in fire or I've been in air, you know, for, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Um, so for example, so, yeah. the, so the, the earth would be like, breathe in and then I'd breathe out and I'm just kind of like a really slow rooted breath. And then let's get to where I'd get to like ether and I'm actually jumping and I'm inhaling on the up and I'm exhaling on the out. So it's like, ha, ha, ha. It's like really fast. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then I'll get to my, um, the space up here and it's all nasal. So it's like, and you're, and you're rubbing your frontal lobe. So really just stimulating, um, you know, obviously consciousness. Mm. And then at the end, the, the, uh, the infinity would be, um, a big breath in and then you're going to buzz like a bee. <laughs> like that and what you're doing is you're vibrating the top of your head so you're just creating a vibration at the top and then you work yourself all the way back down whoa dude we should do it i mean i would i'd be down to doing it like right now i don't know uh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i would i would definitely try it how do you tell me how you found this first of all before i commit to anything okay so uh, i went to peru just over a month and a half ago um just the end of january yeah. and um, spent 10 days out um, in the Sacred Valley with a group called Pike TT Institute and uh, just a, uh, worked with, he, he's not called, he doesn't call himself a shaman, but people would probably refer to him as one, uh, Roman Harris, who um, basically is teaching um, the people that attended. It's a healing circle, but teaching people about, you know, Eastern philosophy and um, about your true nature and, and just kind of reconnecting to those pieces spiritually um, and working on the spiritual side, which I think right now we're kind of all forced, not forced, but I think the mother nature is trying to bring us back to that concept of like connecting to self again and really reflecting on what really connection means. Um, Hence, we're all in isolation, figuring that out. Um, yeah. But I, but yeah. So being in Peru, I, I think it was an opportunity where I didn't have any devices. Um, I didn't have. I mean, and and going pre going into that, I was probably like on this freaking routine that I knew wasn't sustainable. Just you know, I was getting myself into like you know like work projects yeah. and you know coffee in the morning with you know maybe a glass of wine at night, and I was doing this like it was like a really vicious cycle of work. And, um, I felt like, man, like I felt like my body knew it was going to go into quarantine. Like I knew when I got wow. to Peru, it was going to be an opposite experience. And, um, it was interesting because as soon as we, we didn't have any uh, internet when we got out there and all the things came at me. Like I got this email right before I lost my internet, you know, from, you know, my coach who was panicking about this one situation and I was trying to like figure out how to fix it. And, and it was like, and I was like, whoa whoa, you're being tested right now. Like that is going to be okay in 10 days, Robin, like, you know, calm down. And so it was just all these things that came upon me. And as soon as I disconnected from that, let go, got into the process of, you know, um, just, just sitting up in the morning and looking at, at the trees and, and watching, you know, uh, the clouds go over the mountains and, and all the things that I live in, you know, Idaho, Wyoming for. And 
but really more so than just being present. It was like being connected to myself and really listening to my heart mm. and being able to have the space to do it. And then with the teachings at the same time, and of course we did, um, you know, ceremonies with plant medicines throughout the week as well that allowed us to, which was really intriguing to me, but it allowed me to um, look at things that I haven't really given notice to or haven't wanted to unveil um, from a personal level. And uh, it was a great experience um, just to, at the end of that, like I was like, this is what it feels like to connect to yourself and like be whole. And yeah. then I could really see from that perspective of connectedness, I could really see um, where I can contribute to the greater whole, which is a purpose outside of myself. Um, and really take that back and share that with obviously um, the business and the coaches around me. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, um, it was freaking amazing to tell you that. So I so the breath practice was part of that experience. Uh, we went through several types of breath practice. The Amazonian um, breath practice is more um, stimulating and works through the energy systems. You finish with a primal scream like, ah, um, at the end of it. And it's just, and every time I do it still to this day, it's like a reminder of like, oh, okay, there's, there's a reminder of like my connection to myself, my ability to focus. Um, and just know that like yesterday I was doing the breath practice oh, two days ago and I was in it and I was feeling distracted and I was starting to think about other things. And I'm like, no, like this is all you need to do right now. This right. is the thing. Right. And as soon as I said that it was like, right. It pulled me right back to that state that I felt in Peru, that experience where at least I had, it's like riding a bike. Like, Oh yeah, there's, there's the balance. There's, there's the, there's a reminder of, of, um, of true connection to self and how I want to continue showing up in the world and how I want to continue engaging. And so, and that's really what breath practice is. You know, breath practice is a reminder of us to you know, reconnect and stay open hearted. And, um, and so it's not a fixer. Right. 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 You know, for us coaches, I think, you know, all the things that are out there that are fads that are coming through, whether it's ice baths or breath work, they're not a fixer or a way to escape the reality of your shadows and your light that you have within you. It's, it's a, it's a way to expand yourself yeah. and, and hold all the things that we don't like about this world, about ourselves, about the things that we have to challenge and deal with, right? Like the current circumstances we're in now, it's not about averting them or, uh, or clinging to one idea. Um, so breath work for me is always a reminder of that, of, of, of uh, continue expanding my soul and expanding the space I have to hold all the things about um, the challenges that I'm currently going through. So I'm not clinging to them or averting them. Mm -hmm. That was a really roundabout answer um, about where I got breath work from. But. No, it's good. <laughs> I would say thorough. I, I love and I love it. Okay. Like, uh, you, you developed your Amazonian breath practice in Peru. It, it is. Uh, it is so. It's such an important reminder. I think our perspective often comes back to three core staples, and and, and um, regardless of the interaction, it's it's self awareness, purpose, self management, and you'd be sort of hard pressed to convince me or the folks that we work with um, that there's too much outside of that, and that and that's what a breathing sort of practice reminds me of. It, it, it reminds me um, of just coming back to a state of self-awareness, uh, something physical. Uh, you know, we disconnect mind and body artificially all the time. Something physical to bring us back to a state of self-awareness, I think is a very powerful. I think that makes mm -hmm. complete sense.
Um, it, it, it's, uh, it reminds me also, just so it, it, it's interesting, we talk about breathing practice. Uh, there's some folks actually on, on Instagram live here, which, are, which is great, that um, we, were, we were down, we hosted a Beyond Strength Clinic, which, which we were about to do together uh, in April, had the quarantine not fallen upon us. But we were, um, we were down in Oklahoma City with a good friend of, some friends of ours down at a place called Athlete Inc. And um, we had a, we did a component of a Beyond Strength Clinic was on mindfulness. It was on a breathing and focus and self-awareness practice. And there was, uh, you know, the owner of that gym, great guy, went up to one of the participants who was sort of more of like maybe like a stereotype uh, coach, a, a big, heavy, intense, old school coach. And, and you know that we are advocates of coaches on the whole, so there's nothing judgmental about what I'm saying right now. But he went up to this person, and that person, uh, just to kind of see how the day was going, that person replied to Jared, our guy, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. That might work for like uh, golf or something, but I don't know if it'd work for our football guys. And it was such a, I, it was such an interesting moment because he didn't realize this gentleman that he was talking to a former NFL fullback. And because, and I say that to get back to a little bit of your uh, bio and history, because I think the source of this stuff matters. This isn't just, um, this is not out in the ether. When you talk about breathing and mindfulness, I think we often bring stigmas, especially if you're a strength coach or a, or a football player, or sort of pick the discipline that has a set of stereotypes attached to it. You are, correct me if I've got the bio wrong, uh, uh, were you a four-time All-American? Five-time, excuse me. <laughs> 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 yeah, but there's, but there's, you know, this, there are, uh, this is true of elite performers. And I would even say that there is probably a very real mindfulness about throwing, um, like what a mindful act that is. You can't be throwing for records and all American distances, um, and thinking about eight things at once. Is that a fair mm -hmm. statement? Yeah. Well, especially throwing the hammer. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that part of my life, you know, I think my throwing time, you know, when I was 20 years old was a very physical time of my life as well, though. Right. So I, I feel like, um, you know, yes, it's mindful in the sense, like I want to know that I'm in the circle and that I'm turning in the right direction and that I'm going to release the hammer at the right time, that type of mindfulness for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't want to be thinking about what exam I need to pass, you know, during halfway right. through my second turn. Um, for sure. And I, and I would say mindfulness or focus, you know, yeah, um, focus. Present. You gotta be, you gotta be right there in that moment. Yes. And, and I think in any sport, right. I think we can oh. say that in anything. Um, you can talk about golf, you know, you want to be present there too. I don't want to be thinking about the next hole or my next drive when I'm trying to make this 12 foot putt, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, in sport in general, mindfulness or focus is, is very key. Um, and, and having the ability to do that. And, and I think the best way to do that is really having the connection back to breath and having the connection back to your body. Because if I'm outside of my body and I'm, I'm grabbing all the things that I think I need to do on the task list today, that I'm not really in the moment. Right. So staying in the moment, um, I think in general is always allows us to put our best work forward and also our best performance forward on the sport athletic side. Mm -hmm. Um, and that does come back to mindfulness, but it, it comes back to the whole, the whole is being, you know, people don't want to talk about spirituality because they just think we're physical, uh, skin and bones, but we're not, we're energy, we're energy beings. Okay. So there's energy throwing flowing through our bodies. So whether you want to call that a spirit or just energy or the source or God or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's there. 
So that energy is there. And how are we transforming that energy to optimize our focus, mm-hmm. optimize our physicality? Um, and that's where I think, again, breath work is such a key component to doing all those things from yeah. a spiritual, mental, and physical component. I think that sounds right. And then, okay, so you get it on a very personal level. You understand it instinctively. Um, you understand it on a really high level and your practice is sound. How do you translate that for the novice breather? Uh, which is kind of a funny thing to say. We, we refer to this thing that we all do automatically all the time, but doing it deliberately, being present, that's the key. So, I mean, when, when you're, uh, do you incorporate this in workouts? When, when do you onboard this and how with your clients? Yeah, I think, I think a client needs to, uh, I think, yes, in general, you know, explaining breath mechanics and especially in the weight room and understanding how to optimize breath in lifting and also aerobic training. I think those are, again, from a performance standpoint, very important. Um, but the foundation to even all that is, yeah, just what is my breath? Uh, breathing in, breathing out, am I aware of that? Am I aware of how shallow my breath is? Where am I breathing from? Am I breathing from my chest or am I breathing from my diaphragm? You know, And I think just, yes, cognitive awareness of what your breath looks like currently um, and taking note of that maybe in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, is a great starting point, right? So um, in my morning breath practice, maybe it's five minutes of just being conscious of doing some big diaphragmic full breaths with full exhalation. And in the evening, like almost just taking a, um, a glance at where I'm sitting right now. Am I still breathing through my chest? Am I still breathing in a very sympathetic state? Um, and, and noting that and then being able to pull yourself back into a parasympathetic state with longer, bigger breaths. Um, you know, I think just in general, that would be a great starting point for any client. Um, or anybody who's looking to bring more consciousness to their breath um, to maybe improve sleep, improve um, consciousness around how you act and how you react to things on a daily basis, um, and then also optimizing training. Absolutely. And, and I like that you, part of our message always includes the performance element. And, and what we found, and I wonder if you agree with this, is that like people aren't always immediately on board with the concept that connecting to oneself and thereafter a purpose to sort of maybe the greater community that's not always the initial instinct and I guess that's part of where I was going with this was like you, you seem to have a good grasp of where this could go uh the entry point for people is often really important so I, I like what you said like you've got to breathe to move well let's start there you want to be a, a great cyclist you want to be a great weightlifter whatever it might be let's start by breathing well to get this performance outcome that you want and then we can mm-hmm continually sort of onboard this this higher and perhaps bigger and maybe more important level of self-awareness and breathing practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And there's so many layers there too. I just feel yeah. like, you know, I mean, you started working with breath and then you start working with um, emotions and you start working with, you know, people's attachments. And I mean, there's so many that, that could go so far the other spectrum too. Uh, because when you start feeling and, and connecting with something as simple as breath, things show up for people. And I think a lot of ways uh, in, in the world that we live in now, we don't, we don't connect to those things because it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy just to try to get an instant um, gratification or um, a performance, you know, like, Hey, I want to be, be good now. Like, mm-hmm. let me just, you know, and, and I'm speaking from experience. Trust me. I didn't know right. my breath through, you know, in my athletic career, I was, right. um, I'm sure I was driven sympathetically for a very long time. Um, and I'm paying the price for it some degrees. Like I know, like, you know, I've definitely worn my, my body like a rented suit for a long time. So there's a lot of, you know, rebuilding of that concept, but now the availability for me 
to want to work on the opposite side of that is, is a very balancing effect. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some, some younger athletes, I think, yes, making them conscious and aware of how important breath is, how to not be distracted 24-7 on shit that's not even real, um, and, and how to stay in the moment on things that they really are driven about. Right. And, and I'm not going to get into why they're driven and all those things. I think that's, you know, your own hero's journey. I think everyone at, at some point, a coach needs to understand everyone's on their own hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Some people will never understand breath and some people just because they don't want to. And that's OK. Right. right. That's that's not something for me to say. Well, that's you're not optimizing anything like who's for me to say that. Right. Um, this is just something that I can share and inspire others with relative to my own practice and doing it. Um, and if I'm not going to do it, then I shouldn't even speak of it either. Right. Mm. Um, and I just think there's, there's tools out there and ways to recognize um, how we can improve ourselves through higher levels of connection, um, through higher levels of being. And you know what, this is, this is leading me into this sport, is interesting. So I was, as this is bringing back to Peru and realizing like, what if I didn't have sport? Cause I didn't have any of that there. It was like right, this, right. this whole other space where it's like, uh, what if I didn't have all the things that I had that identify my, uh, uh Robin lions, right? Mm-hmm. What would be my purpose then? What would I really be trying to cultivate? Um, and it would be again, like just serving others, right? Whether it's in a small community or village, um, I'm just thinking like, what yeah. if I had nothing that we identify ourselves with in this Western world? Um, it would still be the, 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 the purpose and the, and the fulfillment would come from me connecting to myself and feeling like I can actually help somebody else still. Right. Um, and even in this quarantine, so pull that experience out and now now I'm into quarantine. I was talking to my coach about this the other day. I was like, what if I didn't, what if we didn't have all this mountain, our mountain bike season? Like we don't have it right now. Right. Right. Like all this stuff we were training for, like the Olympics, like people Mm -hmm. preparing for Olympics and now not being able to do that. But what if, we didn't have that. How would we still create a fulfilling life? How would we create a larger purpose still in our life that feels without all the distractions of sport and competition and all the things that we've clung ourselves to, cling ourselves to, to advance us or to uh, prove to the world or prove to ourselves that we're worth something. Hmm. And this is, again, there's many takes on that, but wow. What if we didn't? Yeah. So like, what if we didn't have those things? What if we didn't have technology? What if technology exploded? So now we're in quarantine. Now everything blew up from a technological standpoint and we have nothing. How would we show up in our days then? Mm -hmm. I I think it's a great question. I I, I think, uh, and I think it's one worth entertaining. I hope it doesn't happen because I think there's a lot of good that can come of it. But uh, for me, it all comes back to this idea of intentionality. And I even, I had a discussion with a, a teacher pretty recently. Um, who was so adamant that that phones were crushing us and, and, and hurting his kids in all these ways. And he very well could be right. And I was definitely on board with him. But but my part of the conversation, and I was there to run a mindful practice through the, it, it's it's exercise moving into mindfulness. So that's that's why I was there. So I was taking this very specific lens and view on the situation. Uh, and, and my take was, I don't even, I wouldn't, there's no judgment. And I think that's a core component of all this self-awareness, mindfulness, anything that looks like mindfulness or presentness or intentionality. There's no judgment on what is being done. It's really an assessment of whether or not you're doing it intentionally. Uh, and, mm. and that to me is the, is, is one of the biggest concerns of the phone. These kids that we were working with, uh, truly, I, I'm not mad at them for, for being on social media. I totally get it. Billions of dollars and some of the brightest minds in the world are, are right there working yeah. to capture their attention. I get it. 
And if they said, if they could articulate the idea that they wanted to be on their phone to have a conversation across the country, like, like we're doing right now, or to whatever, maybe they want to be an Instagram influencer. Maybe that's their actual goal. And they've got a good process and plan to get there and they, whatever, fine. I just don't believe that that's what we're all doing. I think we're just sort of absently sucked into these devices, which are capturing our attention and, and intentionality is nowhere to be seen. It's just sort of a, uh, it, it's like, uh, it's like one of those sci-fi movies where you're just in a motorized chair plugged into, it, it's a matrix type environment. I don't want to be too, too dramatic, but, but I think that's where I am with it. And I think one of the best antidotes to uh, the, the attention suck that is our, highly tuned devices is coming back to the physical cell. Um, mm-hmm. Just to see where, where then would you want to go? Uh, I, I think that's, that's meaningful, but you, you bring up a really good idea, a really important idea to me. I remember one time we may have talked about this actually when we first when we recorded the first podcast way back. I remember a time in my life post football career when I was like transitioning into what you could then call the real world, I guess mm-hmm. um, where I was so driven it like makes me, I get like an actual visceral feeling when I, when I think back to this moment. I remember a moment where I was back in Chicago after traveling the world to play football, uh, trying to think of what the next thing I could do to get something framed for my wall was. Yeah. And I remember yeah. feeling like sick about it. It was this amazing moment of, I was thinking through what would be next to get, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of accolade. And then almost immediately after I sort of tuned in and felt like legitimately bad about it, which is why I would say, I, I, like, I love sports. I think it's just such a powerful uh, platform for education. We, we've talked about that. I think it's massively meaningful, um, but only if you do it well. And and actually right now, so we're, we're working on this um, online powerlifting meet. I don't know if you saw that on our page at all. Yeah, I know. Yes. looks great. I, I think it's, I think it's going to be cool. I'd, I would love to share a little bit about it because I think of it differently. Like we, it's, it's an online powerlifting meet. The reason we're doing it is because there might only be one sport that we could get involved in right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and mm-hmm. that's strength training from a distance, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, you can't play basketball over the internet, but, but we could all, you know, do our own strength based competition and then compare. So I was like, that, that could be a cool idea. And then, and then it just kept rolling. I was like, well, we definitely need to light a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we decided yep. sort of three common uh, opponents right now. All of us do hopelessness, uh, sedentary behavior and isolation. So could we, could we adjust that somehow? We thought this might be the thing, but I say all that to come back to your point. Powerlifting to me uh, has only become a process than a max effort. Thoughtful process, max effort. Thoughtful process, max effort. Mm-hmm. And, and when you start to think of it in that way, it takes some of the stuff that I think I used to get too wrapped up in out of it. And it actually, mm-hmm. I would say that um, some of the people, some of the people who've been, we've had great, like people are signing up, signing up their teams, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a very cool event. But the people who are a little concerned of it are usually like the super, are, are fairly high caliber power lifters who are like, well, this doesn't meet the, uh, the, the sanctity of powerlifting is a concept. Like if you're not, if your name's not on the wall at Westside Barbell, it doesn't count. It's so outcome based. And 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 our thought, and, and one thing that we've been sharing with people is like, look, you might not set a world record, you might not set a personal best, but I guarantee, if if you really are thoughtful about your process, you'll probably set a personal best on the back end of a quarantine. And there's something to be said about that. You know what I mean? It's just it's context, it's situation, it's process, max effort. Um, and for me, at least, that's been a very uh, refreshing and I think liberating way to approach sport in general these days. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I mean, it, 
it's uh it's unique and it's it's kind of like uh something that just yeah i mean trying to create something during this time is is a challenge um but i think what you know it's valid and what you're trying to, to do there i think it's pretty cool um and yeah i mean getting you know back to the process of sport and That's and perfect. getting getting people involved um in sport to learn about themselves and uh really learn about failure and learn about success and, and know that both of those work together to move us up the ladder. We don't just get one or the other. Um, and, and I think, you know, with sport as well, I think the biggest thing, you know, I always go back to the why and, and uh, you know, I think it's so important for kids to, to understand that being in the moment in your training process is the most fulfilling thing. And how do you train that? I think it comes from, you know, creating an environment that allows that type of mindset. Um, and I don't think every environment does that because I think some environments are based off winning and some environments are based on development, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if, you know, I think at this point in my life, what I value most when I work with clients and I work in sport is, is, is the, I, I'm not going to say self-development. I think that's overused, but, um, creating a space for self-realizations, hmm. um, and, and, uh, self-realizations in the sense of, you know, really, you know, who am I, what are, what are my fears? What are my motivations? Um, and how can I use those to my benefit and align them in a way that allows me to, to live, live a life that I can show up for, not only for myself, but for others. And if I can't show up for myself, then I'm not showing up for others. So that there is a connectedness there, right? No doubt. Um, can, can you go back on that same note? Can you go back to the idea? So what are some of your strategies? Um, Cause you mentioned self a lot and, 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 and I, I hope people understand the value of that to, to recognize and become connected with oneself so that one is good for their community. There, there's mm-hmm. definitely space at this moment in time to, to dig into that a little bit. Absolutely. And I think what a great opportunity to dig into all that, you know, um, to read the books, do your meditations, do your breath work, um, really journal, journal about, you know, the things that you're struggling with. And um, (laughs) because the more we know about ourselves, then the more that I can see myself and others. Hmm. Right. If I, if I don't, if I don't work on my own things or see my own weaknesses, then then I'm never going to see other people's or will I have patience with them? Totally. Right. Because I'm always going to be, Judge, judgmental potentially um i might act out in some type of anger around it or frustration because i can't fix this person mm. but i think from a coaching perspective when you can see yourself in others then you have this higher level of compassion and um love that leads you down a path of just supporting and guiding and that's the only thing we can do we can't fix people Right. And this is coming from somebody who likes to fix things. Right. And it's a daily reminder for me every time when I get frustrated or I see myself create this energy that's not really contributing to the the whole of what I'm trying to accomplish with this individual. Mm -hmm. I look at my own attachments, but Mm -hmm. it's because I know of those attachments. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I and I can bring a consciousness and awareness in that. And then I can pull myself back to center where it's more optimal, more beneficial. Right. Um, And trust me, that understanding of attachments and within myself is constantly expanding. This is not something that I've like, oh, I figured all my shit out. Like it's it's unfolding all the time. Right. Right. But that's life. That's the hero's journey. That's the thing. That's the 
That's what makes this thing great. So yes, using this time to, to be quiet with yourself, to still bring joy in your life to the things that you love to do and the passions that inspire you and the things that drive you, but then also be conscious of the, the things that um, also pull you in another direction and learn to be okay with those things and create that expansiveness to hold it, yeah. right? Don't try to cut it out of yourself. Oh, I don't like this part of me. Oh, I don't like the fact that I'm like this. You know, no, 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 you are like, we are humans. There is good and bad in all of us. And we have, you know, having the ability to hold that and then continue leading with, our true nature, which is, you know, love, compassion, joy, all the things that we naturally show up with mm-hmm. and that are, con- you know, our, our social conditions or other things that come into our life bring us all this fear, anger, anxiety, depression, right? We're not born with that. I don't, right. I'm not born. And, and maybe, that, I mean, this is just my perspective too. Um, so sure. there, there are, there are, to anyone who'd be concerned about that comment, of course, there are genetic predispositions and certain like physical mm-hmm. and mechanical, but more often than not, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Right. True. Right. So I, I think, um, yeah, if you look at most babies, they look pretty innocent. Right? Not a lot of anxious babies <laughs> worried about the, the, the next test or their, <laughs> so so back to you know back to the innocence back to the beginner's mind right back to childlike essence what does that even mean anymore we're so scared to be vulnerable we're so scared to stay open with our own ideas and our own beliefs around things and 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 still be open to other people's beliefs right um and their concepts even the strength and conditioning world how much do we get into like what's right what's wrong what's working what's not working um and uh somebody standing on their soapbox you know for okay i've got to go with you there because i was just thinking of um man i was just thinking about how we label things um Mm. and, and i'm thinking about why we get so strict with this and i I think we align on a lot of this stuff because I think both of us look outside the sphere of our immediate profession a lot. I think that might be, Mm. um, wow, I have a lot to say and I hope I don't bother anyone by saying, actually, you know what? I'm okay if I do. I hope so. It's their problem if they're bothered. (laughs) That's right. You know, I would like to say that we're, we're in the nest. It's just me and you right now, but it it is definitely not. We got some Instagram live people recording this, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's worth considering, and I'd entertain the conversation with anyone who's who's feeling anything but this. I think we are. This is the truth. I think we're all really afraid of death. Just hold on a sec. So I I, I think we're afraid of death, and for that reason, timelines are and, and are so important to us. Mm. Uh, measurable timelines are so important to us. Only once we start to quantify by time do these things start taking on different. Um, levels of meaning to us if you say meaning like when you even like an i am statement like like i am anxious versus like i am feeling anxious right now like Mm -hmm. these are these are absolutes defined by stretches of time even the person who is anxious for uh 90% of their life, if you stretch out their entire life on a map and look at it from above, it's like, well, look, no, this 10% of the time you were not, you use this declarative statement. You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. I think we try to name and capture too often in order to make things permanent. And, um, and I think that's a problem all leading back to this concept that you just really, that you tapped on and, and kind of gets me going. Uh, there seems to be something in strength and conditioning in all fields, of course, but in strength and conditioning, there's like a, no, this is the right way sort of mentality. And, and I wonder, I, I think about where that comes from and I certainly give people the benefit of the doubt um, mm-hmm. more often than not, but I will tell you that there are very few things that I've come across in, in my time doing this that are just 
real absolutes. There are very few things. There are certain things I hold to. We, we use the term anchor a lot. Instead of an absolute, it's an anchor. And what we mean by that is like, for example, I think squat as a movement, not as a lift even necessarily. One that can be loaded different way, different ways, front, back, over, whatever, uh, different muscle actions and, and variations. You could do it unilaterally. You could do it eccentric, whatever. But the squat as a movement pattern, as a movement, is, is sort of an anchor to our, my, the programming that I'm usually involved in, in one way, shape, or other. But it doesn't mean that I wouldn't someday reconsider that, too, if I were given enough evidence to suggest that that wasn't a good idea. The, diff- the reason we say anchor instead of absolute is because, like, you can pull up anchor. It'll be a little harder, right? Like, you know, but you, if you're super deliberate and intentional and feel like, okay, we're no longer here anymore, you can technically pull it up and move to the next spot. But uh, I'm always really hesitant to hear people who are speaking in absolutes when it comes to this stuff and then, then more hesitant when they get angry about it. And I won't go too much further on that, but have you experienced similar things? Do you know what I'm alluding to? Yeah. Well, I've experienced with myself. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been in those situations too where I've believed something so strongly and, and uh, got frustrated when people weren't on the same ship as me. Um, and I think in the, in the growth of that as an individual and the growth of that as a coach, um, yeah, you come to understand that there isn't an absolutes. And that comes back to the core essence of understanding that we don't have control of everything in our life ever. And things are constantly changing all the time. Yeah. And what a great lesson we're learning now, how much control we don't have right now. Um, and how many people are frustrated that they can't go out and do the things that they normalize in their life and think that's normal. Um, you know, and that they have to change things in their life now to live this quarantine state. Well, welcome to life. Welcome to the ever-evolving, changing life that we live in. And I think um, in sport and in strength and conditioning, welcome to the ever-evolving, changing concepts and theories that help another individual potentially um, because we're willing to go there. Um, and I'm a big back squat person. Trust me. I, I used, I used to love back squats for breakfast, which I don't anymore, but I, I used to, I mean, yeah, man, I loved Mondays I Mondays were back squat days and I couldn't wait to get a heavy barbell on my back. Um, but coming from somebody who believes so strongly that everybody should squat. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm having people doing, you know, R and T reverse split, you know, stance, you sure. know, squats and, and, um, and rear foot elevated and single leg oh. and goblet, goblet squats. Trust me, when goblet squats first came out, like, you know, in, in, in my world, you know, eight years ago or something, I was like, who the hell, why would you do a freaking goblet squat? Like, what a waste, you know? Right. Um, but that's just, again, my own fear of, like, trying to expand myself and, and understanding movement more, right? Oh. Um, and understanding that not everybody in my lane needs to squat, you know, 300 pounds. And so I think, I think those are just – Again, learning your, about yourself. I think if you have something, a, a, great, a great thing a drill would be was like, as a strength coach, is like, what are all the things you hate in strength conditioning that you just can't stand? This guy does this, this guy does that. What, what, what are those things and what are your attachments to it? Why do you give a shit? Mm-hmm. Is he re- are they really doing harm? Like if they're doing harm, like, yeah, dude, like I agree. Like, come on, like right. do no harm is the first rule. But I think in terms of function and application, um, why judge what somebody else is doing because you don't like it? What is yeah. it you don't like? Is it your fear of the unknown? Right. Um, is it the fear that you haven't, you know, put yourself in, in more expansive education around what movement can really be for somebody? Because yeah. there isn't just one right way. I think there's principles. Right. The principles in knee flexion in general can, 
incorporate tens of thousands of different methods, mm-hmm. right? So, That's you know, and, and, and the principles and strength conditioning, if I want to get somebody stronger, then the principle is that I need to load their nervous system to do that. Mm-hmm. If the principle of getting them to do higher repetitions for muscle endurance, then I need to lighten the load and have them do more volume. Right. So there's a principle there that never changes. Now, how I choose to do that to get that stimulus mm-hmm. is up to the coach, right? right? Um, and that's in back to intention, back to like, what is the intent of the exercise? What is the intent of the training? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, you start just working off principles. There's nothing that's really wrong. It's just like, is it working? That's um, it. Is it. Is it doing harm, et cetera? Yeah. That, that's it. You're exactly right. And principle and anchor, I think, are, in, are sort of synonymous in the way that we're talking about it because that's actually mm-hmm. absolutely right. If, if, you, if one of your principles or one of your anchors is do no harm, then there's a really clear heuristic there. Like, like you either are or you aren't doing harm. Mm-hmm. That's the measure. Not like, are you doing Bulgarian split, split spots versus traditional back spots? You know, th- these are all essentially tools at your disposal to be used and applied as you see fit based on the context and probably the people you're working with, hopefully. But mm-hmm. the do no harm is something to come back to. That feels fair. To be super yeah. intentional about our decision-making as coaches, that's a solid principle, you know? Totally. And if you have a basic exercise science background, you understand loading perimeters and strength conditioning, then your exercise selection will change based on your intent. Intent. And it'll right. A goblet goblet squat for some people isn't going to give them the stimulus they need to get really strong and fire. You know, MVC, max voluntary contraction. If that is my goal for a client, then goblet squat probably isn't the exercise selection. If they can't squat then maybe goblet squat is, right? So now we're going back to form and technique. But if they're great squatters and I need to get them strong, then hell yeah, we're back squatting for days. We're going to do the whole cycle. We're going to get this thing dialed, right? Um, So yeah, I mean, there's so many things in that. But if you stick to principles, you usually can't, you usually can't go wrong there or, or put somebody in danger. You can't because you just continue to come back to that question. Like, did it work or not? And there's, there's a humility that comes with that that I think is really important because, as you mentioned, in all things we've discussed today, there, we, we keep coming back to this idea of evolution, whether it's self, practice, profession, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you have to evolve. The only way to evolve, you, you can't evolve if you say, no, this is the way. You evolve yeah. you say, like, uh, this is the way we're going now. Is it achieving the outcome that I hoped for? Am I, am I still living by those principles? I'm, I'll tell you, I am really, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm like totally open about this. We are trying to host a powerlifting meet on the back end of a stretch where a lot of people aren't going to have access to big, heavy loads. Now, we've actually, a lot of our people that have signed up for so far do have home gyms and stuff like that. So different mm-hmm. category. But there are some people who are trying to make it through a two or three week stretch, say, or, or hopefully not too much longer, but we'll see. Um, Loading in different ways. And actually, you know, Chad Wesley Smith, you know that name? I uh, heard of him. Yes. Uh, juggernaut training, a big time power lifter. Um, okay. He put something out essentially addressing this idea uh, of how to stimulate the nervous system in certain ways uh, to maintain power and, and essentially bridge the gap till you can have a barbell in your hands. Um, and, and ultimately, we'll get back to the idea of like, well, did it work or not? You know, it's as simple as that. Like here, here are the principles. This is why we believe it makes sense. Um, and it's going to, like I said, I, I, I have a feeling that we're not going to, not a lot of people are going to set all time world records, but, um, but I, but I do think it'll give us some really interesting stuff to look at. You know, it'll be, it'll be a lot to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, the nervous system's interesting because powerlifting, I look at that as just a big nervous system stimulus. You know, there's yeah. so much that, um, we have to have aligned in terms of like, 
the capacity to dig deep and lift a lot of load. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, 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 the qualifier to that is your nervous system. Nervous system is king in powerlifting. So uh, an interesting concept, depending on the uh, training age of the athlete, depending on um, the biological age of the athlete, I would almost say that um, a important factor right now in the next two or three weeks, really in the weight room, I wouldn't be looking at, oh man, I'm going to get them really strong and setting PRs at this point. It'd almost be like a taperish aspect where um, what are the things I'm doing outside of the weight room that's going to contribute to uh, revamping my nervous system for max expression, right? And maybe it's like cleaning up the gut. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, improving my sleep, you know, the things that are going to a great, uh, create a, a larger capacity for the nervous system to, um, to translate into recruiting max voluntary contraction. Now we know there's a training stimulus to that. We know we have to train the nervous system to fire all those units. Um, but if some of these kids have already been doing that, um, a lot of it now is just like freshening up the nervous system to be able to do max expression. And maybe it's not setting a whole new like world record, like you said, but maybe it's keeping pretty close to their best ever without like with, with like without as much training as they thought they needed, mm-hmm. that would be all you know something eye opening for these kids that understand is like wow I don't need to crush my soul but right. I can actually right. you know do the little things in between that you know before I didn't pay attention to because mm-hmm. I could just hit the weight room as hard as I wanted to but now actually I can like stay hydrated get my sleep track all that and really refine that practice yeah go go into the setting express myself there and then hopefully after that training of understanding themselves in that practice outside of the gym, they can continue leading through that. And yeah. now when they actually get to that training point where they can get those hits all the time with the good foundation of health. Yeah. Um, now what are we looking at? Now we're looking at a lot of PRs. A hundred percent. You're right. And it, it reminds me of the coaches who get addicted to uh, one style of training. Again, I, I continue to kind of qualify my statements. No offense to those coaches, but I know that I've fallen victim to this. Like if I have a barbell, if I have access to a barbell, uh, I for sure am doing less single leg work, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I want the stimulus. I want to feel that you, you get, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I like that revamp the nervous system for max expression. And that might mm-hmm. come back to some of the really basic stuff. Like you said, clean up your gut. Um, there's no excuse for not getting adequate sleep right now. But I'll tell you, a lot of people we're talking to still aren't, right? And that's just, that goes back, that's self-awareness, purpose, and self-management, right? But, you know, um, those are really interesting ideas. And I'll also tell you, we talked to someone who uh, is a double, a two times body weight squatter, mm-hmm. really young to be doing, like pretty strong kid, solid, strong kid, but, but can't do single leg work to save his life pretty much. Mm. Uh, so, so, but in this moment coming back to that, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see some of these, uh, what feel like maybe slower, uh, more deliberate practices map onto positive outcomes in the weight room. And it, like you said, it may not be this time around. Maybe, maybe they're at or near something they've done before, but down the road, if you start to clean this stuff up, your top end outcome has just changed dramatically. Yeah. I would say. Maybe it's, challenge isn't like trying to hit your PR at the end. Maybe your challenge is improving pieces that you, you've pushed aside, you know, that, that okay. are weaknesses or whatever you want to say, but just lack of consciousness around those items. What are those things and how can we improve compliancy towards the things that um, are going to impact your overall performance when we're done this thing? 
right? Um, that's, that's kind of the approach I've used with the current clients I'm working with now at Mountain Lab is, um, you know, just kind of addressing like, hey, like this is the time to like prepare your food, to like work on sleep patterns, you know, in bed at 10, up at six, we're having a challenge of that right now. Um, you know, sitting down at the table and chewing your food 30 times for swallowing it, like little things like just being yeah. more conscious of and, and having time for, um, and not just looking to Instagram and social media or, or Netflix, um, as ways to escape and try to feel better. Like, come on, use right. this time really. And in, in something that we can like use after we're out of quarantine, after we're out of this time of silence. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, there's that consciousness and awareness and, and intention that, um, you know, we're given this time. Like you look at this as like a gift. Yep. Um, as opposed to looking at it as like a restriction and a punishment. And then I'm just going to Netflix myself to death until um, I can get it through this piece. Like that's just an unconscious behavior that I feel isn't being benefiting anybody and not even themselves. Yeah, I, I love this because um, we're down the back stretch of time and you've just brought it full circle. That's a very, I, I like, we, and, I, and I mean that because there's a self-awareness piece to that. Like if you look, the way you name things matter. If you look at this place and time, like you're, like you're grounded. Mm-hmm. That's a mistake. It's going to dictate how you experience this time. If you look at it like, holy cow, I now have the time and space to do all the things I, I always told myself I didn't have time and space for. Then yeah. what, a, what a gift. You know, you know, yes. it's such an incredible gift. And just, and, and I think, you know, as I, ref, I hear you say that and I reflect on some of my own stuff, I, I know that uh, I would compensate. I competed in, in February and I would compensate for uh, bad habits in my regular life, like shortcutting my sleep, not, you know, eating from a vending machine when I didn't have access to proper nutrition. It didn't happen very often, Robin. I, but like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but uh, we actually just revamped our vending machines at the school that I work at. So that's Wait. a conversation, but uh, uh, it's actually a pretty cool one. But um, the, the point is when I wasn't getting the other stuff right, I would just go to what I, I, I would ramp up what I thought I knew. So I'd mm-hmm. add an extra set or two uh, on squat. I'd, I'd throw some more weight on and deadlift. And, and, um, and I, and I think I did that because I, in part again, out of sort of like a time pressure, like a, like a subliminal underlying deep seated time stress. Like, uh, I, like I've got to get ready for this meat. I didn't sleep well. I didn't eat that well. What, what option do I have? Well, I've got this small one of time to train. I'm going to mm-hmm. get aggressive there. And I know, and, and that's not just, I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad to approach what you're doing, what you're doing with intensity is, I think I'm, okay, I'm cool with that. Um, but I also know that that also gives you, that gave me oftentimes, not oftentimes, occasionally the opportunity to override proper movement patterns with more intensity. And, mm-hmm. and, and that is, you know, if, we, if we're just looking through the training perspective, now is a time where like, um, I'm not going to name who it is, but I'm doing like lunges with a person on my back and like trying to find creative ways to, and, and just going slow and like really trying to nail the movement. You know, and like, mm-hmm. like knee to foot alignment, knee to hip to foot. Like, what does that look like? And just slowing down, trying to read books that I haven't had time to read and, and things of that nature. So I guess as we move through this, I, I, I'm really interested. So you've said it already, but if you had to give advice to people at this kind of strange moment mm-hmm. in time, uh, mm-hmm. physical, mental, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want, what, what would that advice look like? Well, the advice that I'm giving the people that I'm working with right now, um, number one is is treating this like it's kind of like a taper, and I say a taper in training. So, yes, being conscious in the movement that you're doing and really connecting to movement. 
really connecting to movement in a way that um, not just physically, but, you know, mentally and spiritually. Um, and that means potentially getting out on the mountain. That means potentially getting on your bike and breathing and being unplugged while doing it. Um, and, and then in the weight room, like, you know, for us right now, it's a lot of it's home workouts for people. You know, there isn't that massive stimulus that we've been chasing. So, you know, maybe it is a little bit of like Qigong with breath work followed by a slight movement prep, you know, and, um, really just doing movement that brings you into consciousness and into connection with self. Um, and so much, how much have we trained so hard that we disconnected from our own selves? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's almost an escape to do so. Um, but now like really bringing that back to a point of like, how can I move today? That's going to really, you know, bring me back into my body and emotionally, um, or spiritually bring me into a place of like, just oh man, I feel good today. I feel inspired now. It's like a, it's a movement of inspiration. Um, and, uh, instead of just a stimulus and a hit of like, um, shortcomings, let's say, uh, let's say for most, and then this is again, something I've experienced. Like when I lifted heavy, it was a way for me to escape and a way for me to get a short hit of, um, adrenaline, right. And cortisol. Um, so instead of chasing adrenaline cortisol, how about we chase spirituality, mental mindfulness, let's just say, um, and the physical body, you know, in terms of that. And, uh, I think that's a great time. I think it's a great time to do that. And it's not forever. Everyone's going to survive or, you know, and if anything, you're going to feel better afterwards. And you're also going to have a greater capacity to train harder. Mm, so, yeah. I, so that's what, that's what a taper does. A taper allows us to like restore and create that volume, that, that, that expansion of capacity to take on more things. And uh, I have this diagram in my office that I drew. It's like um, a continuum. It's a line like this. And on the one end, it's like, you know, you can, you can put anything that polarizes on it. But let's just say, you know, restoration here and intensity on the other side. Um, and we don't want to be too far on this side too long, right? We need to get back to restoration. But the more that I can relax and restore, like the more I can really go to that far side, the continuum of really like recovery and restoration, mm -hmm. the more that that band expands where I can go higher intensity, mm. right? But if I'm never really fully going back to restoration, my, my bandwidth gets shorter actually, mm -hmm because I keep pushing this end, but I never meet myself on the other. And so that life force, that expansiveness only comes through the balance of full restoration and full intensity expression, right? Yeah. Um, and so with that explanation, like use this time to restore and reflect and rebuild and continue expanding that life force and that energy that's going to allow us to express ourselves in the way that we love to do. How we, how we want to engage in the world, continue broadening that bandwidth to do so. So now's the time to do that. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, 
they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you. 